It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.06 on a Saturday morning, 29.5 degrees outside. A very pleasant day, 50s this afternoon, maybe a little chilly tonight, rain tomorrow, a great day to get your garden jobs done. And then hopefully next weekend you'll be heading down for the, how many, how many annual North Atlanta Home Show, Michael Shopping Horse? Uh, this will be the 18th, and that was a great segue. I loved it. <laughs> Although I couldn't pronounce 18th. How many uh, teenth it is it? Michael Schopenhorst is the main cook and bottle washer for the for the 18th annual North Atlanta Home Show, and he's with us this morning. So, Michael, greetings, and what are we going to see at this edition of the Home Show? Well, lots of great stuff. Um, and, again, this is out at the Gwinnett Center next to the Gwinnett Arena up off uh, Sugarloaf Parkway in Duluth. And uh, I always have to say AtlantaHomeShow.com. Mm-hmm. If I forget to say something, it's all there at AtlantaHomeShow.com. Um, great new theme this year, and uh, you're helping us kick it off on the stage. But um, remodel, repair, and refresh. We're really trying to get people to understand what uh, what the home show is all about. And uh, it is a great place to remodel, repair, and refresh your home. So, um, that's something that we're really putting out there for people to get a better understanding. Um, two for one admission on Friday and founded the coupon found at AtlantaHomeShow.com. And something really big this year is we've decided to not charge adults 65 and over. Hey! Uh, that is free admission 65 and over with your ID. Um, so we do that on our shows at the Cobb Gallery as well. But, you know, it's something exciting for us to, uh, to make it a little bit easier for these folks to, uh, to attend the show. One day and I'll be there. But back. not yet. I'm not yet <laughs> eligible. But one day soon I will be there. Oh, uh, well, you, you always have free VIP admission because uh, <laughs> we, we love the fact you kick off the uh, the schedule on the Reliable Heating and Air Home Show stage for us. And, and you're following right along. You must have found out we had that theme. It's refreshing your landscape. Yeah. And uh, we, we love that because that's, that's your uh, title here kickoff presentation on Friday at 1. What about the beer garden? Uh, no beer garden at this uh, one. Ah, no, sorry. I like, I like sorry. the beer garden. I love my beer garden. So, okay, well, yeah. we're not going to do that. And that's the Cobb Gallery in March. Uh, we'll have one there for you there. But, uh, no, it, it's great. We've got some really exciting uh, seminars on this one. I know Joe Washington is mm. uh, doing Adapt and Garden Smart, so people gardening of all different abilities. Um, butterfly gardening, I love it. Never like to have too many butterflies in your backyard. Right. Um, and I know um, good folks at Wild Birds Unlimited are actually creating or are doing a seminar on creating a backyard wildlife habitat for us. Um, and everything from growing herbs to gardening in the shade. And then we get outside the gardening realm a little bit, and it's design and decor tips to refresh your space by Tanya Williams from HGTV and what to consider when considering a remodeler. And, um, and even our good sponsors of the uh, of the stage there talking about um, what's new in, in different HVA systems and hot water heaters. So everybody's got to know about that, too. So our good friends at Reliable Heating Air are taking care of that for us. So I, wanna, I want um, everybody to understand the reason you go to a home show is because you have just about every skill and company type under one roof that you can wander from booth to booth, meet somebody, find out if they do what you need. For instance, I need a, a company to come and waterproof my basement. I could probably find a waterproofing company there, talk to them directly, talk to the boss, get it scheduled, get it done. Sometimes they have discounts at these home shows. It's a great place to go, particularly in the wintertime when you're preparing for your spring jobs. I know, it's so true. It's, it's one of those few opportunities where you can uh, meet face-to-face with people. It's over 150 companies at the show, and 
you know, it's not just looking somebody up on a website and saying, oh, they got a nice review and, and <laughs> doing the job. You actually get to sit and talk to them, look them in the face, uh, get to know them a little bit before you invite them into your house yeah. to work on your maybe your very uh, your largest single investment. So um, it really is a great place to get expert advice and, and find solutions uh, for all your remodeling needs. So, so the home show starts next Friday. That's correct. And uh, we'll be broadcasting, Dave Baker, I think, and myself will be broadcasting live on Saturday there. I don't think we're going to do the guests because it's just such a small space there in the corner. We won't be able to do that, will we? Yeah, I, I think that's the case. This, this show is uh, sold out wall-to-wall with exhibitors, so we, we kind of run out of space yeah. to uh, put out a lot of chairs for the stage. But um, So Friday, Saturday, Sunday coming up, the North Atlanta, the 18th annual North Atlanta Home Show at the Gwinnett Center. That is it. And if you need more details, where would we go, Michael Chavinhorst? Oh, that would be AtlantaHomeShow.com. Exactly. A Simco show. <laughs> Michael, we will see you Friday and Saturday. See you soon. All right, Walter. Thank you so much, my friend. You bet. We'll see Take you care. then. All right. Bye-bye. Ten minutes past the hour, and Erin is in Statham, Georgia, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Erin, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, Erin. How can I help? Yeah, I got a uh, – we moved into this house about a year and a half ago, and I got a uh, – pear tree out back. I thought it was a Bradford pear, so I pruned it up so yeah. I could cut around it yeah. on the lawnmower. Well, it, it produces pears. Oh, so, <laughs> big surprise. Yeah, I know. And my pig likes to get up in there and eat all the pears. I would like to trim it or, or um, prune it up. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm trying to get it to where it'll shoot out. I want it to where it'll shoot, you know, have shoots coming out so I can pick the pears off if I want to. Okay. Um, and it's probably about 20 to 30 feet tall. So it's a pretty tall one. Yeah. Um, so I'm trying to figure out, it, I can climb up in it and start pruning away, but is it going to, is it going to be worth it or, or could I just leave it alone? I, you know, I, th- I have a, a hierarchy of jobs when you're pruning a fruit tree. And I'll tell you what the hierarchy is. First thing, always take away dead limbs. They're not doing anything for you. They need to be cutting out. Go ahead and take away the dead limbs. Number two, take away any limbs that cross through the middle of the plant. They won't ever get enough sunshine if they're crossing through the middle. And if some that you find are doing that, out they go. So saw sure. them off, out they go. And number three, if there are any vertical water sprouts, the ones that are about as big as your little finger and they're sticking up straight through the middle of the tree from the bottom, they go out. They're not going to help much to make fruit either. And then once you've removed all three of those things, then stand back, look at the tree again, Aaron, and say, man, I could take off this part at the top. It would be down from 30 feet high down to 20 feet high if I just took it off right there. Maybe clip off some of the ends to make them bushier so they have more leaves down low. And more leaves means more fruit, of course. And um, do a little general sort of maintenance pruning is a better word, I guess, that I can use, and just use a little maintenance pruning around the outside of the of the pear tree. But the first hierarchy is dead ones, crossing limbs, and water sprouts. They all come off before you make any final shaping decisions on the pear. Okay, and, and then, like, so <clears throat> I was thinking, like, you know, the first year take, like, as far as making it shorter, the first year take off, you know, I don't know, like five feet, and the next yeah. year take off another five feet. Yeah, you could do that. Or, sure. or, should, or can I go more than five? Should I go like 10 feet, 8 feet, something like that? Mm, five and five sounds better and safer to me. Okay. Five feet All this right. year, five feet next. And then, and then so will it start to uh, make shoots a little bit lower down on the trunk? Not it exactly. Goes? It'll make shoots 
about six inches from where you make any pruning cuts, but just pruning out the top is not going to make the bottom of the plant or the tree fill out. No. They'll okay. make new growth near where you make your pruning cuts. Okay, because, yeah, I pruned it about, it's probably about eight feet high. Mm. And, like, well, you know, some of the branches hang down low enough so I could pick from it. Yeah. But, but anyway, I guess if I print it, it'll just make it produce more uh, pears, I guess. Yeah, the main right? thing you want is leaves, lots and lots of leaves. Leaves are the the mouths, if you will, of a plant, and they eat sunshine. So the more leaves you have that eat the sunshine, the sunshine's converted into sugars and converted into all the hormones that say, it's time to make Aaron some flowers and some fruit. Let's make some pears here. So maximizing the number of leaves on the tree, that is the key to making fruit on it. I got to go, Aaron, though, but thanks for calling. It's 40, 14 minutes past the hour. Larry's up in Blue Ridge, and Larry joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Larry. Yeah, well, hey, uh, uh, I've been up in the middle of the forest. Where there's not a lot of sunshine or anything. Yeah. And I have trouble getting grass to grow, and uh, we have pretty hard winters too up here. Matter of fact, snow Monday, I believe, but and it's, it was like 18 this morning. Wow. To get a, I can't seem to get any grass to grow because there's very little sunlight. Of course, mm. it don't get above much above 80 during the summer, but uh, it's uh, I'm having a hard time with that. There, it'll come up really good to start off with. Yeah. Then when the trees. All the trees there uh, leaf out, then they just kind of dies down, sure. perhaps. They start so, dying out. So you heard me talking to Aaron just a second ago, and I said, leaves are the mouths of the fruit tree. And the same is the, true with the leaf on any plant, whether it's a grass plant or a vegetable or a fruit or an oak tree. And so if you're not getting enough sunshine to feed the mouths of the grass, if, in other words, if you're getting four hours or less direct sunshine on a spot, you're not going to be able to grow grass there. Okay, well, heck, I, I, I'm trying to come up with something. We don't, we don't have much, like I said, much area we can plant. Yeah, all I can suggest is going with shade-loving natives. That'd be a great thing to use in in Blue Ridge. Use um, there's various leucothwes and uh, ferns and um, hostas are not native, but hostas would go fine in the shade. But think of a landscape that doesn't have much grass in it because I don't think you get enough sunshine to have grass. Well, we pretty much everything's natural now because it wouldn't grow, so I just let it go. <laughs> Mother Nature's wonderful about doing that, Larry. Mother Nature could always find something to grow, even in dense shade. And it's, and it's pretty, too, so I can't, can't complain. Then everything. why are you calling me? You don't need to have grass. You need to appreciate what you have. <laughs> well, listen, I sure do appreciate it. At least I know better now. All right, Larry. Drive safely, man. Thank you. We'll see you. Michael's in Adairsville and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Michael, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Um, several years ago, I read on your website that in the wintertime you used to recommend the uh, 50% roundup to get rid of stubborn weeds. Yeah. But then you said because the uh, uh, dormancy of the Bermuda was always in question lately. I just thought, if this winter's been cold enough, could I do that? It's up to you. Some situations, <laughs> some lawns are going to be more dormant, let's call it, than others because of just the, how much sunshine they get, how much rain, et cetera, et cetera. And so, frankly, it's you down on your hands and knees, Michael, looking at the grass, pulling up the thatch on top and seeing if there's much green underneath. If you see much green underneath on a Bermuda lawn, you better not spray Roundup on it. It's going to kill it. Okay. 
What about just a, uh, like with a, a brush application straight to the, the mostly wild onions and a little yeah. bit of wind in bit? I do that all the time. I have, in fact, I have a, a thing that I invented, for lack of a better word. I take a white towel, and this doesn't have to be white, I guess, but it's just the one I have is white, and I wrap it around the end of a garden rake and tie it on with some string and then spray that towel with Roundup and then just wipe it across any patch of grass or weed that I have in my grass, and it touches the leaves of the weed, which stick up an inch or so above the grass, but it doesn't hurt the grass itself because it's not a spray. It doesn't penetrate down to where the green stuff is. So you can okay. wipe things out very easily using a paintbrush or some modified leaf rake like I do. Okay. Well, that tells me what I need to know. Um, starting, when should I think about putting out a pre-emergent? First of March. First week of March? You got it. First week of okay. March, and if it's a real, real weedy, heavily infested lawn, another time in very early May. March and May, and um, this is just trying to learn how to do Bermuda. I mostly lived with fescue most of my sure. life. The uh, uh, fertilization, how often? Uh, on fescue, which? No, it's on the Bermuda. On Bermuda, three times, starting when things are nicely greened up. So middle to the last part of April is the first one. Another in the summer in June, another in the sort of late summer, August and September. Three times. Okay, thank you, sir, very much. Great talking to you, Michael. Thanks for calling. It's 818, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Mostly sunny this afternoon. Going to be nice. 54 degrees is the predicted high. Lows tonight around 29 or so. Tomorrow, rain likely. Cloudy skies. Highs of 53. Lows 38. And tomorrow you can pick up your copy of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution where they have an in-depth report on state child protection agency files and asks if a case of a recent child death could have been prevented. That is tomorrow in the Sunday edition of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Kathy is in Lilburn, and Kathy joins us on Lawn and Guard. Hey, Kathy. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm fine. I'm bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. So are you. What's going on? Yes. Well, I am a new homeowner and a new gardener. And one of the things that I had to do was have a couple of trees taken down. Yeah. But when the tree guys left, they left great big ruts in my yard, in the, in the grass. Yeah. It was beautiful when I bought the house. <laughs> and I don't know what to do to take care of those ruts and get that beautiful grass going back again. What kind of grass? Is it Bermuda, Zoysia, do you know? I I know it's not Bermuda. I know it's not St. Augustine. I think it may be Zoysia. Is it green now or not? It is greenish. Greenish or green? What do you mean, Kathy? <laughs> it's green. It's All right. Green. So could it be fescue? It could be fescue. Hmm. First job for Kathy in Newhouse, learn the name of your grass. That's what we're going to do first. Get, <laughs> okay. get a, a piece off the edge of the lawn and just dig up a piece about as big as your palm. Take it to um, a nursery, take it to Pike. Pike often has people who identify grass as bing, 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 just like that. Or maybe okay. even just take pictures of it and bring those into the nursery. But okay. i got to know which grass you have. But I think in general I'll give you an idea of how to fix the ruts in the, in the lawn. Okay. Um, 
take a shovel. If the rut is more than an inch deep, it's easiest just to take a shovel, go into the bottom, try to flip out any good grass that's growing in the bottom that got run over by the bobcats, and uh, fill it up with topsoil. Go buy a bag or two of topsoil to fill that rut up till it's almost level with the surrounding soil. Put those pieces of grass that you dug out initially back on top of that pile of topsoil, water it, you know, sort of pat it down and water it in. And theoretically, in about two or three weeks, it'll spread, it'll root down, and those little pieces will start spreading through the topsoil, and it'll be level. It'll be level again. Okay, that sounds pretty easy. It is reasonably easy to do. But the first thing is to find out what grass you have, and that's what we need to do. Oh, and you know, Kathy, if you want to try this, I have a web page on my website that says grass, or I think it's called turf grass, lawn grass identification, and it gives you the characteristics of every lawn grass that could be in Atlanta, and says check this, check this, check this to determine whether it's Bermuda or Zoysia or Centipede or St. Augustine or any of the rest of them. Check that out at WalterReeves.com. It's 828 at News Talk WSB. Back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 8.35, 30 degrees outside, a very pleasant day ahead of us. Tomorrow rain, get it done today is my motto, get it done today. Or you get your work done today and then go to Pike Nursery tomorrow during the rain. And perhaps if you're in the right place at the right time, you'd see my friend Mickey Gazaway. Hey, Mickey. Hey, Walter. How are you? So do you do rainy days be, mean slow business or a lot of business? What does it, what no, does it do? No, usually it's not. People don't want to get out when it's rainy. <laughs> So yeah, tomorrow would be a day that you could have the sort of undivided attention of some of the associates That's at Pike. exactly right. Plus, we've got this great deal going, you know. What's our Pike pick for the weekend? Uh, well, the Pike's pick are pruners <laughs> and um, lawn and leaf bags, which is, is a great time to do that. Yeah. And because um, it's a good time to prune. You know what I'm thinking? I have been talking to my neighbors trying to find a teenage boy or girl, wouldn't matter either way, who could help me by, I want to blow all the leaves out of my beds and have them raked up, because I hate raking, but I don't mind blowing, because i got the blower you know, on my back. Right, right. Right. And so mm-hmm. if I just get a teenager to come and help me rake them up, then I'll run to Pike and get some leaf bags and put them all full of that and put them out for the county to, to pick up on Monday. That sounds good to me. Yeah. What kind of pruners do you have, Mickey? Well, we've got uh, the, our... our Best pruners are the Corona pruners, right, and we've sure. got bypass pruners. I think there's some anvil pruners out there, too, some long-handle pruners. We've got most everything you need in all different sizes. And, and some of those, sharpener. right, keep them sharp. the sizes I like that Corona has that wide range of sizes because, yeah. frankly, there are sometimes when you don't want a long, long lever, a handle on your pruners. You like a little short one. That's and right. That's right. They do great. I mean, I um, I've got one pair I've had for about five years now, which is miraculous for me because I lose them. I know, and they're painted enough, red. That's why Corona them. has a red oh, handle on them. Mine are pink. Oh. Mine are pink, so Stan can tell mine from his. <coughs> so that's a good idea. Yes. So leaf yes. bags as well as the pruners are on sale. What about classes? Uh, we don't have any classes today. We've got one next week on terrarium. Mm-hmm. But we've got a great sale going um, on uh, all the trees and shrubs are 20% off. That's a deal. And then some of them are 50% off. 
If you so can get to Pike Nursery and buy a shrub or a tree, today would be a great day to plant because tomorrow with the rain, it'll make just perfect to plant the shrubs and the trees, and they're on sale. That's exactly right. It's wow. a great deal. And, you know, get your pruning done. I, um, I enjoyed your – I looked on your website about pruning and what you should be doing this month and what you can be pruning, and that was very interesting. I have a pruning calendar. Did you see the yeah. pruning calendar? Yeah. I, you know, that is the thing that a lot of gardeners are sort of weak and questioning on mm-hmm. is when should I prune X? When is the best or the worst oh, time to prune Oh, I get asked y? that all the time. Me too. So that's, that's a great one. So I would refer anybody to that website because it's really, really good. So WalterReeves.com, type mm-hmm. in pruning calendar, take it to the right page and print it out and uh, see if that's useful for and you. And then come by Pike's and get your pruners and of you'll course. be all ready to go. And of course I went by Pike two days ago and the primroses were out, the Linton oh. roses were out. Mickey Gasway, they, I got a, is it Joseph Limmer, Joseph Somebody, yeah, Joseph Limper. Mm-hmm. that has the white flowers on, on the uh, hellebore, uh-huh. on the Linton rose. I was knocked to the ground. I thought that is such a pretty plant. I immediately got two because I thought I got to have this in my landscape right now, and so I've got that planted. And I am really, really impressed with the white flowers. And they show up so good because oh. they're so white. That's great. They're not on sale. I recognize they're no, not on sale, no, but I'm no. recommending Joseph Limper. Did you say? Yes, it was Limper. Somebody. All right, that's a great hellebore. I thought it was it beautiful is. in, in it's the part nursery. Part of the gold collection. It's yeah. a really good one. Yeah. All right. So the pike pick for the weekend is. Pruners in lawn and leaf bags. And we got classes next Saturday. No classes today. And you got to tell the cashier this is a Pike Pick. Walter and Mickey said so. That's right. All right. Where do we find all the details about Pike Nursery, Mickey Gazaway? PikeNursery.com. Of course, all the locations and everything you need to know about plants. Thanks for calling, Mickey. Thank you. Come to see us. We'll see you soon. Bye bye. 404 Get you in to take Mickey's line there. We open that one up. We go to Tom in Johns Creek. To join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tom. Hey, how are you doing? Good Saturday morning, Walter. Good Saturday you? morning to you as well, Tom. I have a question. Um, I had planted about maybe 15 years ago a um, Japanese red maple yeah. close to my ho- house. Uh, poor planting, actually. But um, I am wondering, is it time now to prune that back because it's getting close to the house? And mm. if so, how much can I prune before I damage the tree? Generally speaking, Japanese maples are very tolerant of pruning. They don't much care, and so the shaping of the tree is your goal, is to make it so it doesn't bang up against the house and things like that, get in your way when you mow. I'll tell you my rule of thumb for pruning trees in the wintertime when there are no leaves is somewhere between 25 and 50 percent of the tree could be taken off with judicious thought beforehand, um, and not worry too much about what the tree thinks about that, because the tree, when it's dormant, really can't tell what's going on. And only when the warm weather comes in March and April will the tree say, well, that that limb's not there anymore because Tom took it away, (laughs) and this other limb is not there anymore. Tom took it away. I can handle this. The roots haven't been pruned, so it'll just uh, grow and be nice and have a pretty shape to it. So sometime between now and uh, Marchish, April, somewhere in there, the pruning needs to be done. Well, great. Thank you very much. Now I feel better. You bet, Tom. Thanks for calling. <laughs> we got it at 841. Who's Dana? Dana's in Peachtree City, and she joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Dana. Good morning. Hey, Walter. Good morning. How can I help? Well, when that fella called about the pear tree, I got to thinking I'm having a harder and harder time finding pear trees. I'm having to drive all over the county, knock on people's doors. <laughs> and I noticed that I can only find them way out in the country, and it's always... Um, 
you know, a senior citizen yeah, way so. back in the back 40. In fact, one of my favorite trees was right next to uh, right next door to your mama and daddy. Why are you hunting down? Why are you hunting these pear trees? What are you doing? Because I make pear preserves. Uh, you know those thick cut pear preserves sure. are so good, and those rock hard yeah. pears are, are the best ones. So You're I wanted exactly to right. ask you: Do you know the history about these? Because they were apparently planted back in the 30s, 40s, or 50s, and are they indigenous to this area? Um, do you think they've seen their heyday? I, I was just hmm. curious, where did they come from? How did people find out about them, or did they just grow naturally around the here? The one that I think is most commonly planted in the country, and probably it is one of the oldest varieties, called kefir. And kefir has a lot of grit to the, to the flesh, and that grit is what people like in their pear preserves. And my guess is that, who knows, 50, 75 years ago, some traveling salesman came through Fayette <laughs> County and through the uh, country south of Atlanta and just had kefir pears on sale on his wagon. And so he sold a bunch of them, and people planted them, and then those horse pears or you know, greedy pears became pretty, pretty common south of, uh, of Atlanta. You can buy, you can still buy kefir pears online. I don't think many nurseries carry them, but you can buy them mm-hmm. online if you mm-hmm. wanted to. Plant them in what your causes, house. Like sometimes, I know about two or three years ago, the fruit, some of them, they were almost the size of softballs. Yeah, they're big. Uh, last year they were tiny. What affects the size of the pears? Uh, weather. I mean, you can't say much more than just weather sometimes. If it's hot at the wrong time or too rainy at the same time, maybe it doesn't get full pollination. That would be my guess. Okay, great. All right, well, thank you. It's a great pleasure. And again, online, you can find Kiefer Pears on Johnson Nursery up in LJ has them, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you might go down, you live in Fayette County, so think about uh, calling um, who, 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 who down there. Call the Bottoms Nursery. That's what I'm trying to think of. Bottoms Nursery or Ison Nursery, I-S-O-N or B-O-T-T-O-M-S, Bottoms Nursery or Ison's Nursery. They're not too far from you, and see if either one of those have the Kiefer Pear. Great. Okay, thank you. You bet. Thanks for calling. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. We got, uh, let's see, Tom is in Canton, Georgia, and Tom joins us on Lawn and Garden. Tom, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, my wife and I know that it's healthy to eat almonds. We want to know if they'll grow here up in, in North Canton. We're not as cold as Blue Ridge, but it, it gets chilly in the winter, and if so, where do you get them? What kind do you get, and how do you plant them? What if I start out by saying, no, you can't grow them here? That all your other questions are moot at this point. Uh, Almonds do not grow very well, particularly in places which have large fluctuations in wintertime temperatures, and that is most of North Georgia. So I don't know of anyone who's ever been successful growing almonds here. Well, okay. Well, I know the grocery store's got a lot of almonds. Go to the grocery store and get your almonds, Tom. Yes, sir, we we do that. But are there any nuts that would grow in North Georgia? Pecans go fabulously well. Okay. Yeah, get a nice uh, pecan tree, put it out, and within three to five years, you'll be getting enough for a pecan pie and more, and some to share with your neighbors. Pecans are great. Yes, sir. What, any special varieties? Uh, Let's see. Stuart, Gloria Grande, um... What's the other couple? There's another one in there I can't remember right now. Go to my website. Just go to my website and type pecan. It'll take you to the page that has all the pecans and the characteristics of the nuts and how big they are and how resistant they are to pecan scab and sort of all the details about how pecans are, are selected and planted. But I know there are a couple of pecans that are listed that you do very well with in North Georgia. And it'll tell me how to plant the young tree. Yeah. Big, wide areas, basically for any tree. doesn't matter what tree it is. 
big wide area in which you loosen the soil. Just take a shovel and flip it over a couple of times and chop it up real good. Plant the tree in the middle, let the roots spread out, you got pecans. Okay. All right. Yes, that does it. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Tom. No almonds, pecans instead. That's the way we're going to do it. We've got uh, Roger in Stone Mountain who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Roger, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Uh, I have a quick question and a little longer question. All right, let's do both of them very quick because I only have about three minutes. Go for it. All right, well, longer first. We may have to have some septic tank work done, which is going to involve possibly some uh, mature uh, shrubs that we have in our front yard. Yeah. And I'm wondering, the septic tank people aren't going to be kind to them, and how Hmm. should we prepare if we have to? Do you know what kind of shrubs they are? Is it azaleas or? Nadina. Yeah. So far, so good. They're both easy to transplant. Boxwood. Easy. Okay. All right. What I would do is in the part of the yard where you don't think any mechanical things are going to go over there, dig a oh, dig a hole big enough for a basketball to fit in, and then go to your oak leaf hydrangea, your Nandina, any other plants you're going to. Um, uh, transplant and for each basketball size hole, get a basketball size root ball on that plant. Move it from one place to the other. Move it from where it's going to be damaged over to the safe side of the yard, and you should have no problems keeping them alive if you water them occasionally. And then when the work on the septic tank is done, you move them back to where they're supposed to be. Yeah, okay. How do you break up uh, uh, clay soil with gypsum? Is there uh, amount you add to the clay soil? It's a common misconception that gypsum has anything to do with breaking up clay soil. It does not. Uh-huh. The, best, the best way to break up clay soil is to add organic matter, soil conditioner, mushroom compost, your own compost, something like that. But organic matter is what breaks up uh, clay soil. But gypsum is advertised as breaking clay. Sorry to say, not so much. Not At least not with the types of clays that we have in North Georgia. It depends on the type of clay. And <clears throat> we don't have sodic soils or sodium-infused soils here, so don't depend on gypsum to do anything for you. Use organic matter instead. An inch or so on top of the ground, dug in deeply. That gives you exactly what you want. It's 848. You're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates four times an hour all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. I'm looking out the window, just high, wispy clouds above us. This afternoon, highs go into the mid-50s. I think it's going to be very pleasant. Low tonight, 29 degrees. Tomorrow, cloudy skies. Rain likely keep you inside to watch the Super Bowl. Highs 53, lows 38. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And don't forget the Carillas Flowers Contest. Go to wsbradio.com slash contest and see the Valentine's Day contest that we have lined up for you. We want to know what is the sweetest, most memorable Valentine's gift you ever got. Enter there, and we'll judge them and have an announcement and get some beautiful rose, ooh, 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 rose arrangements you'll have for the winners before Valentine's Day comes around. Again, wsbradio.com forward slash contest and get the Carillas Valentine's Day memory contest entered. Keith is in Marietta, and Keith joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Keith, good morning. Woo, wait, 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 wait. Let's go four. Somebody punch out four there. There we go. Keith wanted to know a little bit more about how to prevent. Whoa, that was Keith, and we don't have Keith anymore. 
So Keith wanted to know something that's pretty simple. He said, how do I prevent brown rot on my peaches? And that is the most common disease or thing that affects peach growers in Georgia is brown rot. It's when the fruit gets to be about the size of a tennis ball. That's about the size you'll start seeing it. And you get these little brown spots that quickly coalesce and becomes the entire fruit. And it's covered in white fur, <laughs> for lack of a better word. It's brown. It's covered in white fur. It drops to the ground. You don't want to eat that kind of peach. It's all a disease called brown rot. Now here's the thing to understand about brown rot. It actually infects the peach from the inside when the peach tree is blooming. So way back in March sometime when the peaches start blooming around, that is when the fungus is thrown up by wind and by, by rain and insects that crawl around on it from those dead mummy fruit that were left on the ground from last year. And they fly up and they get into the flowers and the fungus gets into the flowers and you got brown rot. and you know, if you see it in June, there's not much you can do about it. It was infected back in March and April. So what do you do to prevent brown rot? We start with a fungicide. And this is one of those diseases that I don't know of any good organic way to control it other than using a synthetic fungicide like um, Captan is very, very readily available at nurseries. Get some Captan, spray it on the peach tree when about half of the flowers are open and then spray it again in a week or so when about half the flowers have fallen off and maybe a few more opening day by day. But that brown rot can be controlled by early spraying with Captan back in March and April. If you don't spray or if you leave the infected fruit on the ground, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, you're going to have brown rot badly. So we don't use an insecticide, remember. No, we don't want to kill, kill the bees that are doing the pollination on the trees, but we spray with just a fungicide, Captan being the one that I think is most available around. You can read the label and see if there's others too. But then after all the blooms have fallen off, then you can spray a couple of times for stink bugs. Stink bugs really love peach trees, love that peach fruit. Stink bugs don't wipe their nose every time they pierce the fruit of the peach tree. The stink bug is putting in any bacteria, any fungi that it wandered around on previously, and it gets the whole fruit really, really uh, infected with brown rot. So be careful. Do your Read the label. Understand what you have to do to protect yourself for spraying with Captan. But two Captan sprays when the peach tree is blue and then a couple of sprays with what's generally called home orchard spray. It has an insecticide and a fungicide that are both in the same bottle. You mix it up in a sprayer and spray the whole tree. Get good thorough coverage and you're home done. You're home and done. If you want something else to do that is slightly more organic, look on my website for the use of, um, uh, uh, what's it called? The combination of copper and lime, liquid lime sulfur, that's what we're looking for. And look for liquid lime sulfur and learn a little bit more about when it can and cannot be sprayed. You can't do it on warm days, and there are other restrictions on the label of what you can do and what you can't do. So be aware of a couple of organic ways of controlling it. And always make sure that you take the fruit that's fallen from a tree away from the tree. Uh, it's a good idea maybe to mulch underneath the tree once or twice a year to re-mulch, take the old mulch away, put the new mulch down to prevent any of those fungi from, uh, from getting on there. It's close to the end of the show. It's time to remind you that if you go to my website, WalterReeves.com, many times you can find answers to questions that I talk about on the radio. You can't remember quite all the details. Just type in one word, pecan, peach, brown rot, tomato blight, you know, whatever you got on your mind, fescue lawn. It'll have an article or two or three or four. I've got more than 10,000 articles and ID that plan and all that kind of stuff on my website, and you might find it very helpful for you to for you to use that. Also, while you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. We had a great newsletter this past week. Let me see what was in there. Here it is. We had the article about uh, 
putting houses out for bee pollinators. Not just honeybees, but some of the solitary bees do a lot of pollination. And then an insect that I had never seen before in my life, I have aphids on one of my Lenten roses. How in the world does an aphid survive this cold weather and infect my Lenten rose? I do not know, but I do know how to control it. I've got that on the newsletter as well. You can subscribe by going to WalterReeves.com and click on the subscribe to newsletter button. You can follow me on Twitter. You can follow me on Facebook. And that's how you can get a little bit more garden information during the week. It's been a great Saturday morning. I had the able assistance of Rachel Perry screening calls this morning. DeMarco Williams took care of engineering and choosing our songs. Don't forget, the best thing you can do is have a great life. And we'll see you right here next Saturday morning for another edition of Lawn and Garden.